Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. I'm Sam Delaney. My guest this week is the entrepreneur and businessman Danny Gray. You might remember Danny from his appearance on Dragon's Den where he successfully raised finance for his men's cosmetic range, Warpaint. Danny's latest project is a not-for-profit service called Just Ask a Question. Danny came up with the idea to help fill the gaping hole in mental health services in the UK. Around 20% of young people with mental health problems in this country have to wait six months or more for professional treatment. Danny himself has suffered from body dysmorphia for most of his life, so he knows what it's like to feel helpless in the search for treatment. Just ask a question just might be a solution to some of those problems. I thought it was a fascinating idea, but... I will leave it to Danny to explain more about it and tell you about his own struggles with body dysmorphia as well. I hope you enjoy listening to our chat. Danny, welcome to The Reset. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me on. It's a real pleasure. Um, Tell me about Jack. Is that how you pronounce it? Jack? Yeah, Jack. uh, But it's not spelt like it sounds. So it's J-A-A-Q. Uh, which you pronounce Jack, so jaq.co.uk. So this is a free-to-use website um, that I've created, which is all about giving the right information to people about mental health topics in a really organic way. So it's a website where you can go on, it's free to use, and it feels like you're having a conversation with people by using your voice. Uh, We've done loads of pre-recorded answers. Uh, I've got world-leading doctors and then people with lived experience. And those people with lived experience are celebrities as such. So David Harewood, Alistair Campbell, uh, we've just confirmed Jimmy Carr to come on as well. So it's about giving people access to the right information from the right sources, uh, which I think can be really, really powerful. Absolutely. It's a, it's a fantastic idea. um, And it really addresses a, a huge problem which is the, you know, access to, to therapy and talking is so, is so hard to come by in this country. What brought you to this idea? So I, I've suffered with something called body dysmorphia for the last 20 years. So that body dysmorphic disorder or BDD is a disorder where you obsess about the way you look to minute detail. And the reason I do that is because, <clears throat> excuse me, when I was 12 years old, I got bullied in my uh, middle school. For my appearance, my ears used to be right angles to my head. Mm. Um, the bullies 
took the mick out of my ears just for literally a week or two, but had a massive impact on me. So I started obsessing about the way I looked. Um, so much so it progressed um, all the way through my teenage years into my 20s. Uh, I started wearing makeup uh, from about the age of 16 on a daily basis because it helped me with my confidence. So then off the back of that, three just three years ago, I launched a men's cosmetic brand called Warpaint, which has gone really, really well, um, which has grown quite substantially over the last three years. Uh, but what I was getting off the back of that were loads of customers reaching out to me, not to ask me about products, but ask me about mental health, how I manage it, uh, what body dysmorphia is. I had mums reach out to me, uh, parents, girlfriends, all sorts. So when I was having these calls late at night with them, um, I saw this technology became available to me via Warpaint and I just, I couldn't sleep at night, mate, because I could see what this could do for mental health. Because this issue for me uh, is 10 years is the actual average length from when you first feel something in mental health to when you reach out. And a lot of the time in that 10 years, people don't want to talk, even though we, you know, there's a lot of activity around you need to talk, but it's still very difficult. And if you go on a search engine or something like that, for me, it's very hard information to take in and not necessarily the right information. So with Jack, hopefully we've created that in a platform. It's very cold. I mean, I remember when I first went to GP probably about 10, 12 years ago with depression and anxiety. I didn't realize that's what it was at the time. They said, listen, they offered me medication. And then they said also, you know, talking to someone helps. Unfortunately, there's a long waiting list. I think it was about six months or something. And they gave me a link. And the link wasn't even at that time. I'm sure things have moved on since then. It wasn't even to anything that was endorsed by the NHS. It's actually just an independent website. I remember it and it turned out it was something in Australia. So obviously it was just really? my particular GP surgery had picked out as being good and fair enough because it's not their fault that they didn't have the resources to refer me. But I remember reading, it was a questionnaire, you know, um, mm. to establish what, what I was suffering from and then followed by a lot of sort of multiple choice things that were effectively trying to give me CBT via a website. And, you know, anything's better than nothing, but it's very difficult having had all sorts of different therapies since that, you know, there's no substitute for it for listening to other people who've shared your experience and listening to other people actually speak. I think what you've done is pretty unique. Um, what's amazing for people who, who don't know and haven't been on there yet. And I'd really encourage everyone to do so is that rather than it just be videos of these people talking that there, there is a, even though you've pre-recorded the, the, the answers and the things that these people have said, you can actually log onto this website and ask specific questions yourself and your voice Correct. then triggers an appropriate response. Correct. Um, yeah. And that, and, and so was that the, is that what you say when you discovered this technology via war paint is, was that when you had this kind of breakthrough moment, this light bulb? Yeah. Moment? Yeah. It was bizarre. So just quickly on that as well, what you said before Sam about, lead times I had a, a girl reach out to me on Instagram via war paint and saying her boyfriend suffers with body dysmorphia and she never knew so I had a call with them and eventually he's in break he's at breaking point right after 10 years he reached out to his GP who said yeah you've got body dysmorphia most likely but I need to refer you 32 weeks was the lead time for that guy and he was in bits mate he was in absolute yeah. bits and he's got to wait 32 weeks and all you want to do in those first few sessions right is ask this doctor who knows what he's talking about questions about the illness so what we've yeah. done with Jack is we've given, and not just any doctor, these are world-leading professionals, 
where you can go on and have an interactive experience and literally ask questions yourself. So that can start the process of maybe you feeling comfortable afterwards to go and maybe have a conversation for real. Because mm. even though it's pre-recorded, it feels very, very, very real in it itself. And then going back to the point at the light bulb moment is that I saw this technology is very new. Um, I started utilizing it at war paint and then I was literally on my sofa talk about light bulb. I couldn't sleep half one in the morning. I remember it now. It's 298 days ago. Not that I'm counting. I was on my sofa and I was like, my God, this could change everything for mental health, uh, about scalability, about resource access. So I was literally on my sofa and I was thinking, well, what is it? Because I'd had the thought for a little while. What's it called? And I came up with the name Jack. I was like, well, what are you doing? You're just asking questions, J-A-A-Q. So I got my phone, was next to me, right? So I picked it up and I was like, right, let's search Jack, domain names, thinking, no way that'll be available because a pronounceable four-letter name is not, and it was available on .co.uk. So I literally jumped out of bed. I was like, holy shit. And I was searching everywhere for my wallet because I thought any minute someone's going to buy it. So I I bought it, got back to my sofa, and then then that was it for me. As soon as I had a name, it was like, the, I don't want to call it the matrix, but you know, it just mm. comes in your head. I could see the website. So I sat there for five or six hours and built a really, really rough website and then called up because I'm dyslexic. How about this? I called up someone who works for me and because he's also dyslexic. I said, just if I'd say J-A-A-Q to you, how, what does that sound like? And he went, Jack. And I was like, yes. Like, <laughs> and, that's, and that's how it started, seven, like seven or months ago. That's amazing the amount you've achieved in, in under a year. Um, what's your secret to that? Because like you say, I mean, people will be familiar with you if they watch Dragon's Den because you you appeared on that um, regarding your, your other business, Warpaint. So Warpaint is still a fairly young business. That must take yeah. up a huge amount of your time. It does, uh, it does, the Jack yeah. website, you've got incredible people on there um the access that you've managed to get and it's and it's not for profit this site either is it no yeah so we don't we don't charge and that's what i wanted to make sure where because there's a lot of great apps out there but a lot of time you've got to be part of a corporate or you've yeah. got to pay for it so i wanted this information to be free and it was my goal uh mm. but it does it's expensive to do right so at the moment i'll be honest i'm funding it personally right. um but i will i will look i'm an entrepreneur and you know i've yeah. got another business so i will find a way of of making it scalable yeah. because i don't think this needs to this should ever be paid for i think this sort of access and it will help so many people so that's what was key and in terms of time you know i'm still very much heavily uh involved in war pain it's like my main main business but you know jack is huge for me so i've actually got a team now with jack so i've, I've hired a team in um, because I'm not stopping. Like, we've got some huge things planned uh, for the next few months, actually, which are really exciting. And what um, the the people that you you've got the world expert kind of academics, doctors, professors, plus the people we know with a public profile, David Harewood and Alistair Campbell, and as you mentioned, Jimmy Carr, to have got access to all of those and have them sat down and do very long interviews because they've had to do answers to sort of not all seven hours is that how much each interview is alistair campbell was seven hours mate yeah and it was very telling so um but it was at the beginning it was it was really hard because i had this idea and it was literally me calling all my contacts i knew and then you know i just think because i had such a belief that this and i think that's it sometimes I, i doubt myself all the time um but jack i just knew 
how powerful this was. And then when you're in that mindset, I literally amount of calls I had, and then all of a sudden someone introduced you to someone, someone, and it was lucky it was through the BDD Foundation actually they introduced me to David Veal, who's literally a world leader on OCD and body dys- uh, body dysmorphia. Mm. I showed him what I wanted to do with Jack, and then he was like, I'm in, and then that, and then it snowballed from there really with other doctors because the elite doctors are all quite a, you know quite familiar with each other. So yeah. off the back of that, the last happened calls left, right and centre with even King's College London as well, actually. I had a call with them. And because it's not-for-profit and because it's obviously open access and because everyone knows that this is a... Anyone who's who's had any experience with mental health, whether it's themselves or someone close to them, i.e. probably most people in the country, is so aware of the massive gap there is in service provision and treatment provision. Is that it? People, once you explain it to them and they realise there's not really a catch here, this is just something that is yeah. to tell people that that is the secret to why so many people have been happy to get involved. Yeah, oh, uh, definitely. And then the other thing you touched on there, Sam, it's not just about people who are living with it's like living with this condition, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like someone like me who's put small feel or someone you who suffer with a particular illness. Mm-hmm. Where this is so powerful as well is people supporting those people, right? So my mum, when I was really bad, when I was, I don't know, mid-20s, I swear, I used to come down ripping T-shirts off, punching holes in walls, and my mum didn't know what to say to me because she's in bits. Anything she says to me isn't right. But for my mum to have access to something like Jack, to go and ask a world-leading doctor, what is body dysmorphia? How long does it last? What's the medication? And then go and ask someone who lives with it, questions like, what's the best thing to say to you? What's your top tips of dealing with someone in that? That would have been game-changing for my mum. So that's the other thing for me is about people supporting someone with these illnesses to go on because they're the ones who they're not going to go to the doctor. My mum would never go to the doctor to say, Oh, my son's suffering. Like, what should I do? They just don't do that. So that's where, as you say, there's a stat that one in four people are going to be affected by mental health illness in their lifetime, but they're just the people affected, let alone the people around them. Yeah. So as you said, it's, it's, you know, it's not one in four, is it? You know, I affected, no. I affect everyone around me with my mental health because I still have to manage it day to day. Um, let, let's talk a little bit more about your own lived experience then of, of, of body dysmorphia. Um, so middle school, I'm unfamiliar with what age group that is. What What is that? Is that Tw- like? Yeah, that was, uh, tw- well, it's my last year of my middle school. So that was before year eight. So I was, year, okay. I was in year eight, so I was 12. And then when okay. you go up, go up the secondary school, uh, that's when you're in year eight. So I was 12 years old. It's my last year of my middle school. And so it happened all of a sudden. This hadn't been an issue for you, the bullying or people commenting on your ears until this point. No, yeah, I was, look, I was, I don't know if I was popular, but look, bit of a jack lad. And yeah, I was captain of the school football team. I was good at sport. I had no problems. And then all of a sudden one day, I can remember I was really on the play, playground and, three lads were just, I can picture it now, they're under the netball post um, and they started flapping their ears and but singing the R. Kelly song, I believe I can fly. Mm. So after that day, number one, I couldn't listen to R. Kelly, which is now and that is an absolute yeah. bonus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was like a wave over me, you know, I never felt anything like it. And all of a sudden, I remember going home, first thing I looked at, and then it was the first time I noticed my ears, which were bad, right? They were right angles and had a blonde bowl cut as well, which was not, Right. the best the best haircut to have at the time um but yeah then within three months my mom would take me to the nhs had my ears pinned back uh i had it done again when i was 19 and my mom used her life savings because they didn't go back far enough wow um and then it just but the thing is then once your brain's into that mode right so that's from 12 to 19 that's seven years 
it took me a long time to get ready, like a long, long time. I could have four or five changes and then it, then I obsessed it. Then I went to my hair, obsessing about my hair. I've had a hair transplant, but I didn't, I, I didn't need it. Um, and it's just how the brain can be affected. You know, it was funny. So when I had my ears from about the second time, I went to go back to having done a third time. And the doctor who did it privately, the second time was like, Dr. Koo, what a legend. He was like, no, I'm not going to do it again. Um, this is because they're, they're perfect where they are. He says, but what you need to learn, Dan, is that your brain for many years has been telling you your ears aren't right. So now I've put them back, you need to adjust. And it's probably the best bit of advice I've ever had because as you can see, like they couldn't go back anymore. So just shows you how powerful the brain is in the mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense as well. Like, you know, I, I guess weight is a big thing for a lot of people with body dysmorphia. And I suppose even if you have, have lived with being a bit overweight and then you lose weight, your brain doesn't quite catch up with that. 100%. Um, yeah. And that can lead on to other things, you know, and then lead on to the other things. That's what he says to me, you've got to get your brain, your mind right as well, right? So use all the tools you do, but you need to get your, your mind right at the same time. So it took me a long time to learn that. So was that the first, so it sounds to me like, you know, what you were trying to do was fix the things that were causing you anxiety, like physically fix them. Was it, yeah. that, was that the point when that doctor said that you refused the third treatment? It was like, that was that when you started thinking, I need to actually look at this from a mental point of view? No, it wasn't actually because it, it's bizarre. Now I look back, I can remember being in that room and, and going, I'm, he's right. As soon as he said it, I was like, it makes sense, right? But then I got worse from 19 to about 28. And by the time 28, 30, I was like, pfft, I thought I was losing my hair. Mm. And I wasn't because my body had dysmorphia and it was every second of every day. And by the time I was 28, I can't even tell you like every second I was thinking about it. So how does that manifest itself day to day? How did that affect things like work and relationships and so on? So I'm very fortunate. I've, my fiance, we've been together sort of 10 years. Um, and she, she actually was the one who told me I've got body dysmorphia because she mm. suffered with it. And I was like, I went and did, you know, you, you, what you did, I went and had a look at this, this checklist and I ticked every box. Mm. Um, but it progressed like I would, it would take me, at the end, it could take me hours to get ready and then I wouldn't go out um, having multiple showers and I'll just let my anxiety get worse and worse and worse. And then once you get consumed by getting changed, doesn't matter what I was going to do to myself, I was never going to feel comfortable, but I didn't know that. So then eventually I'd spiral. Mm. And then, and then it, it like work, like especially last year or two, it really affected me at work because all I was doing at work, if I'm honest, I had my own little office. I was sitting there watching videos on hair transplants all day. Wow. Wow. Or like, I mean, all day. So I know yeah. everything about, about that. And then eventually got to a point where I was going out, drink, drugs, staying up late. And then one, one night I, I was just on my own staying up. And I was like, I can't, I literally, people knew I wasn't right or I was struggling, but no one knows how bad in your head. And I think that's what half the issue is. So I woke my mother-in-law up of all people and got her out of bed and just went, I can't, literally, I can't deal with this anymore. And then that's where it changed for me. Did people know what it, you know, so you say that you, you were doing things like drinking, taking drugs, you know, did people know the specifics of what it, what the source of your pain and anxiety was? Or were you no. About it, I was a little bit secretive, but for example, my mother in law, right? So when she first met me, she said all she thought is that I was vain because I'd, I'd check myself all the time before I went out, yeah. And then, but then within a couple of months, she realized it wasn't vanity because mm. of how distressed I was about it. Um, and I think that's what it is, but then 
everyone knew I still had that, but in secret, I was going on these little missions and, you know, searching stuff out and about hair loss, which was just a thing for me at the time. And, you know, it consumed everything. And, but no, I knew no one knew quite how bad it was. And that's what the thing that got me. So I felt alone. So that's when I was like drink, And when I, of course you drink and you feel fine half the time when you're drinking, but then it's, it's afterwards, you know? So eventually I did reach out and um, then everyone noticed just how serious it was. So what was the first step in, in reaching out after you'd spoken to your mother-in-law? Um, talking about it, like to people about how much it was affecting me. And then you realize you're not on your own and that is a massive way off. And then, and then gradually I just learned how to cope with it, but I did see a therapist, um, is that a, a specialist area of no, therapy? No, no, just a general, which is funny enough, actually, what I'm, look, what I'm going to be doing on Jacket, which I think is really... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm going to be going through therapy as well. So I'm booked in in two weeks with David Veal to have my first ever therapy session on BDD. I literally have to do paperwork, mounds of paperwork to go through it. Right. Uh, but I'm going to be showing all of that on Jack as well, like raw. So yeah. people can understand... Because what I know is going to help me because I still suffer now, but I manage it. And I want people to understand, like, I was scared of therapy, you know, didn't believe in it and stuff mm. like that. So, but where I did have it before, it still, it still sticks, sticks with me today. Mm. Uh, and then I just learned to how to manage myself a little bit better around, you know, that build up of body dysmorphia, anxiety, like what to do to stop. Like maybe like now I, I stop myself from have, getting ready four or five times. I'll give myself a bit of a time limit. I'll, and then the other thing for me, was like, well, when I was getting ready for work, the big thing for me was time. Mm. So I'll get up and be like, right, I've got an hour, or sorry, an hour and a half to get ready. Mm. And that time will be ticking down. If I'm, if I was having a bad moment, that time getting closer would make everything 10 times worse. Well, now I've learned just to be like, which is the other thing for me within the workplace, right? Where you can have a day off if you've got flu, your physical health. But what I want to get out, it's like, if you're, struggling or you just need a little bit more time you feel comfortable just to say look I, I, I will be in but I just might be a little bit late because I'm just struggling this morning do you know what yeah. I mean it's a very yeah, different yeah. Yeah, mechanic. Yeah. it's a very different mechanic because what I used to do is struggle getting to work and then I'll be in bits all day and not be the real me mm. you know I wouldn't be able to do this podcast for example yeah maybe. yeah do you when you say that you were uh, scared of therapy I just want to go back to that because that's something that's common amongst a lot of men Mm-hmm. Um, 
what was it that you feel that you were scared of and, and what, what actually turned out to be the reality? So I think what I was scared about, because bear in mind by that time when I did reach out, I hadn't really spoken about it, right? So I spoke to my, my close family about it, but not probably in the minute detail. Well, now, because of war pain, the journey I've gone on, Jack, I speak about it all the time. Yeah. And that is my own therapy and helps me so much. Yeah. But at that point, I haven't really spoken to anyone. So the thought of going to a stranger and talking about my own feelings was just like, I felt I'd be fake. But eventually mm. like, I did go and... You know, it took me a couple to warm up, but then, you know, he gave me some unbelievable information that's helped me still to this day. So it's always the perceived what it's going to be is the is the fear than what it actually is, and that's that's like with anything, right? And that's why I want to utilize Jack as well around. We're doing illnesses, but we're going to do a load more other stuff as well. So, you know, maybe about therapy is something I want to talk about on Jack about so people can understand what is therapy, how does it work, what do we do. And that's why I want to do something around therapy. So people go, actually, it's not that bad. And actually, you got a lot from it, you know. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. demystifying that and, yeah. and challenging what people's assumptions is. I, I often think too many people sort of have seen it on TV and it's pr- and it's presented in some sort of comic way or over serious way or something like that. Or people always think it's going to straight away try to make them draw scary conclusions about their parents or something yeah. like that. Or, or yeah, they're going to find something out about you and do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's not really like that. So I think that's a really powerful thing. I think it's incredibly admirable and powerful that you are going to put your own therapy on Jack. Cause I think that will mean a, a lot to a lot of people. I mean, like you say, you come across as anyone who, who's seen your dragon's den or wherever, you know, you come across as a, a bit of a laddie bloke, obviously very down to earth. You know, Thanks, um, you wouldn't you wouldn't come across as a as a particularly sort of overly sensitive sort of guy, and I think that's very important to to the kind of blokes who probably need uh, are suffering in silence to understand that all sorts of blokes. It doesn't have to be some sort of very obviously sensitive guy or quiet, worrisome sort of bloke. Everyone is going through this shit and everyone can get something if they speak, it can get something back if they speak out. Right. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. There isn't, there isn't a face for mental health. There isn't a demographic. There isn't an age. There isn't a look. And I think that, you know, body dysmorphia for me, a lot of people would, would think there was no way he suffers with body dysmorphia. Like, yeah. no way, yeah. you know, and what everyone used to say to me when I was really struggling and multiple times to get ready. Oh, but you look great, Dan, you always do. And I yeah. used to, in my head, I used to be like, fuck off you don't know what I'm going through but I couldn't yeah. ever say it and when they used to think that would help but that was probably the worst thing you could say to me at that time and that's why I think Jack's crucial because I talk about that on there and, you know that one example I gave with, with the girl who reached out I told her that because she said I told him he looks great all the time I said well look for me that's probably the worst thing you could say and he was sat behind just nodding his head but right. people aren't going to know that people aren't going to yeah. know that I think that's helping where you know what I said is like just maybe to say stop Let's have a break and don't worry if we're not going to get somewhere. Don't worry if we're going to be late. It's all yeah. right. You know, where before, you know, my mates just come in and say, come on, Dan, the cab's coming in 20 minutes. My God. Yeah, you know, yeah. the anxiety that would give me. But then once I understood what I had, the, cha- they, the change was I went downstairs one day after they all knew my best mate was down there. And I went, mate, I said, mate, I'm, I'm struggling. And he literally turned around and he had a beer. Um, and, he, and he was sat with my mum, actually. He went, Dan, I've got a beer. He says, take as long as you want. And no, it's not going to go anywhere. It was literally like a weight lift off me. 20 minutes, I'm ready. I'm out of yeah. the door. 
yeah 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 so is it like if people are going are challenging you almost by saying you look great it's almost like they're belittling what it is you're going through so they, exactly is exactly it, i think a lot of anxiety is like that whatever type you get it's like <laughs> you go oh, I'm, I'm you know worried about this that or the other and people just say why can't you see that your life is fine why can't you see yeah. that there isn't a problem and in well, fact what you need to do is respect the way mm-hmm. they feel give them space and let it breathe a bit and just sort of accommodate it a little bit right yeah and that's what look you got to look at i don't know alistair campbell who's on, who's on jack right at the time yeah. he had his breakdown he was number two to the prime minister he was you know very powerful guy and got his career sorted and you know, was, but then behind closed doors, he, he was he was struggling and people probably say, well, what have you got to struggle with? Um, and that's yeah. the thing. Like if you ask Alistair on Jack, actually, what shouldn't you say to someone with <coughs> depression? He says, like, pull yourself together and you've got mm. nothing. Exactly. You said you've got nothing to, to be depressed about. Yeah. Um, have you since you started to be so much more open <laughs> about about um, body dysmorphia, have, have you met kind of? people who you could relate to or people you were surprised about that, that go, have gone through the same thing. Yeah. Like, like I'll use that analogy when, or that example, sorry, when, you know, I had that call with that couple and the guy really, like, he's a really good looking, good looking guy, traditional. Yeah. And yeah. even I was like, well, look, he looks great. Yeah. And I yeah. suffer with body dysmorphia, you yeah. know? And so, but I've, I've met, you know, I'm, I'm a patron for the body dysmorphic disorder foundation. And, you know, I've met, people who run that charity uh, who have also, and it's just so, do you know what it's like when you start talking to someone who are exactly the same, which is comforting as well at the same so time. Cause you, yeah. yeah, you realize there's other people like that. And that's what this couple wanted to ask me because it would give him belief and stuff like that. And everything he's experiences, majority of it, I experienced it as well, which gives, gives hope. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the most powerful things is just realizing you're not alone because when you're mm. deep in one of those sort of situations, whatever it is that your mental health problem might be, there is, there is always a period that you go through sometimes quite a lengthy one where you, you think this is a deep, dark secret. No one would be able to relate. No one would understand because you almost think it's so weird. I can't even explain it or justify it. And the moment that you hear or encounter someone who feels just like you and is going through something the same. I mean, it's so mind blown when you hear them say things that you can relate to because, you know, these things seem so strange. And I think the problem is, is that it's not talked about. I mean, male body dysmorphia in particular is a perfect example of that. In society, this is not something that's been well documented. Female maybe to a larger extent, but, you know, it's just about sort of destigmatizing and normalizing these conversations, isn't it? Well, yeah, and a good point on that, right? So, eighty percent of people going through therapy. So, look, don't quote me exactly, but I think it's about eighty percent going through people going through treatment for body dysmorphia are females. Well, the actual split is sixty forty. Yeah. So that just shows you the overwhelming amount of guys who aren't reaching out or aren't getting help because you know, especially as a guy, it feels very alien or like you shouldn't do anything about it. So hopefully that's what I want to create with Jack is a place people can go and go, Hmm, that's exactly how I feel. And well, Danny's just like me, but you know, and he's an entrepreneur and he's this, yeah. but like, he suffers with something every day. Um, how does it affect everything else in your life? I mean, you're, you're clearly an extremely energetic, dynamic bloke. I mean, that is something that is necessary to be an entrepreneur and you're doing all of this stuff and you've, you've pulled together this amazing resource for like, within less than a year 
are you driven a little bit by uh, obviously a sort of a, a, an anxiety inside of you? Do you, do you think that drives a lot? Do you, you know, do you have nervous energy? Is that, and does that help? Yeah, yeah. And do you know what it is, mate? It's like exactly what you just said there. It's like you've done this amazing resource that's available for people to use. That for me is all the money in the world. Mm. Like, honestly, mate. And look, people might look and think Warpaint was minted anyway. I absolutely ain't. I'm, mm. I'm the opposite, right? But doing something like, Warpaint, which we get loads of messages from guys saying, thank you for introducing me to makeup. I would never have tried it. And it's really helped me with my confidence to mm. Jack. You know, that is, that's what, you know, and look, when you, what, what are people, and I've got two young kids, right? Six and two, two young boys. And for me, for them to look back, I think their dad's done something that might actually help people. Like the feeling I get for helping people is incredible because I didn't have that help, you know, and that's, and that's what I want to give. And that obviously, I've got nervous energy and I want to do loads of stuff. Yeah, I, do do you ever, I was going to say, do you ever struggle to slow down and relax <laughs> and chill? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, do you know, I do it all right at night. I've got a big thing about, you know, I get home and I, I don't answer my emails. Um, right. And I made a conscious decision to do that. I did it at the beginning, obviously, of Warpaint because you have to do a start. Mm. But recently I don't because I've got two young kids and I get home and, and do, but when I'm up, I'm up and I'm, I'm going. Does that make sense? But when I'm at home, I want to have that time with my kids, and I do try and have a. Because that's the other thing I talk and preach about mental health. If my mental health is bad, I know when it's bad. I know when I'm stressed. Because that's the other thing around running a business. When it's getting difficult, and it always does, my body dysmorphia comes out, and yeah. I start. You know, Jesus, mate. I, the amount of clothes I've bought before, it's just it, it, like I've got a thing about my clothes at the minute. Yeah. You know, so it's past, and I'm. St- but I realise that now, where before I wouldn't around my hair. Yeah. Where now I know, right, my clothes are becoming a big issue. So mm. I'm taking steps to try and sort that and have a different mindset around my clothes because I, you you're know on, you're on the you're on the apps all the time on your phone, blowing a few hundred quid between meetings. <laughs> well, well, I think um, ASOS aren't my biggest. Uh, <laughs> I'm not their biggest fan because my return rate is probably eighty five percent, ninety percent. <laughs> you know what like i'm you know i'm a recovering addict but my, my issue was drinking drugs and mm. in the first few years of being sober um i would talk to my therapist and she would be very vigilant about the things that in the early days of recovery you're not aware of and she's very aware she was very aware of the fact that the most common thing in your first sort of period of sobriety is to just displace it and replace drugs with something else. And she'd constantly be kind of looking into what it was that I might be doing. There was various things, but funny you should say it is that one of the things was spending money um, very often on clothes. We've all got our favorite sort of two or three shops, their apps on our phone and I would do it while I was busy with work and stressed in the same way that I used to go and like have a, drink. have a drink or have some drugs or something almost as a distraction. And I, and I actually discovered that it's very common. I mean, to the extent that spenders anonymous is one of the fastest growing sort of wings of that particular fellowship, because so many people replace um, one with something else yeah. one with another so I think that's a, well, maybe that's another episode I need to do or maybe it's something we need to see <laughs> well, on Jack. I certainly do you know, know some people who've, done, who've got it I'll put you in touch with we're doing um, I want to do funny enough like, I do want to do one on addiction yeah so, you, you absolutely should I was going to say that I think that addiction uh, in particular can be a real dirty little secret to people that you don't want to open up about so you know, 
If I'd had something like Jack when I was still in that very dark, secretive, I can't let anyone know how bad this has got, I'm too ashamed sort of thing, it would have been a godsend, mate. So uh, we've had messages exactly to that. People asking about gambling, drinking, uh, addiction, and these are like personal messages. And they're guys, by the way, a lot of them. And they're saying, look, are you going to have something about addiction? Because I've never told anyone this, but I'm just asking if you're going to have something there. It's anonymous. Everything on, on Jack's anonymous. But that just shows that people will probably feel comfortable to come to something like Jack and have that interaction, you know, and, and understand. I mean, honestly, for addiction, this system that you've got would be, I mean, it would really, it would what be. What about incredible. PTSD? Could you imagine PTSD? We're going to do PTSD as well. That's another one where, yeah, yeah. you know, it's a massive thing that people don't, don't want to talk about, especially people, a lot of people go through that, but PTSD can be through anything like a car crash or in the army, you know, yeah. with, our people, with our parents messaging saying their kids have suffered with it, PTSD, or you can have something because it would be incredible for them. So I've got grander plans for Jack. Um, yeah. to do yeah. to do everything, mate. And what about, I mean, what do the NHS and the government make of all of this? Have you discussed it with them? Well, I actually met with Savid, uh, Sajid Javid at a right. dinner when I was introduced okay. to him because I was just about to launch Jack and he said he wanted to see it after it was launched and he gave me his PA's details. I haven't reached out yet. Time's not right. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the other one, I did a talk actually um, at an Allocate, who are a software provider for the NHS. I did a talk up in Manchester with Alice Campbell two weeks ago. Mm. The reaction was overwhelming. These are all HR managers in front of 1,500 for the NHS. And I'm not even just exaggerating. People crying afterwards, coming wow. up crying. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, And they just said, they just said, because the thing is with Jack, what the NHS haven't got is scalability. So yeah. this, like, we have a million people come on today and w- we can answer a million questions, yes. you know, and that's why the NHS is going to struggle massively. This isn't going to cure people. It's not therapy, but getting the right information from the right sources, it can, as you've, you've said, Sam, it can literally be groundbreaking. Like me, when I was struggling to get the right information to go, oh, so that's what body dysmorphia is. Oh, okay, so there is therapy. Okay, that, that person feels like I do. Okay, I might reach out. I mean, the thing is, you say it's not therapy, but if I think of my first session with a therapist when I'd been worrying quietly and secretively about my addictions for a long time, not knowing whether they were addictions, which is one of the chief things that people struggle with. And it's the same with depression or body dysmorphia or anything. People think, nah, am I that bad? That's what people often think, don't they? They quite question themselves and they think am i overreacting is it a problem and and what jack can do is it gets you through that the most crucial thing is where you go in and you just say to someone you know have i got this problem those first initial questions are what set you on the road to a longer journey and help you to understand what it is you're going through well if we we can get them quickly if we can get them earlier as well sam on there but asking those questions like rather than waiting till they hit crisis like you did like i did when you hit crisis it's a longer journey back so with jack and in the first the first three therapy sessions you have right it's all about the doctor giving information to you about this illness and so you know effectively on jack we've got like the depression doctor 100 165 questions he's answered 165 You know, and like that's information, information, information. So you could also go into therapy pre-armed, knowing a lot of information, which yeah. can speed up the process as well. Bloody hell, mate. Uh, what a slog for you and all of those guys sitting in and doing, <laughs> answering all the questions in the world. But uh, well, what, I mean, you're saving yeah. lives. So, I mean, what Thanks, better way mate. to use your time? Well, David um, Harewood said it afterwards, like we filmed with him and he was said, oh, he, he, you know, he was four hours. He said, I'm, he said, I'm exhausted. Bear in mind, he films long hours, mm. you know, just, you know, he said it was the most exhausting thing I've ever done because it's, but 
you're immortalized. You know, these yeah. doctors now immortalized and giving information. That's why they're all keen to do it. Yeah. Um, well, I tell you what, uh, no wonder so, so Satyav Javid wants to speak to you because really you've, um, you've made him look a bit silly so far, mate, because this is exactly <laughs> the sort of thing that they should be investing in. Like you say, for scalability with scarce resources, building something that's scalable and can help a lot of people in, in this sort of simple way is precisely what the NHS needs right now. So uh, without a question, mate. Uh, luckily you've come in and filled that gap mate it's a real pleasure talking to you uh, Sam thanks it's, it's an inspiration and um, I would encourage everyone to go to uh, Jack just ask a question jaaq.co.uk uh, because I think it will help pretty much anyone really check it uh, out guys uh, thank you ever so much wish you all the best with it going forward mate and uh, yeah long live Jack nice one Danny cheers Sam cheers Well, there you have it, Danny Gray, a great example of someone who's used what he's learned from business to provide something really useful and practical for all of our mental health. If there'd been a service like Jack when I was first struggling with anxiety or facing up to my addictions, it would have helped me so much. That idea of being able to get advice and information for free, almost anonymously like that, is just brilliant. Go to jack.co.uk to find out more. Uh, And you can find out more about body dysmorphia via the Body Dysmorphic Disorder Foundation, which is bddfoundation.org. And don't forget, you can subscribe to the Reset Weekly newsletter too at sandelaney.substack.com. Until next time, folks, thanks for listening and don't let the dickheads get you down. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 